and welcome to the Boltcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me is Court Winsett. Hello, Katie. And Cameron Spann. Hey, Katie. And Court. Hey, Court. Okay, so typically we tell you guys that uh, you don't have to listen to any of these episodes in a particular order, but this one is kind of tacking on to the last one. The last one we talked about risk, and after uh, reviewing it, talking with David, we figured out that there was a couple other things we really wanted to touch on. So this one might be a little bit shorter, but it's just kind of a risk 2.0. And so, um, you know, the last time we talked about systematic and unsystematic, and don't worry, we'll give you a little refresher again after our fabulous list say so y'all seem so excited <laughs> last time we did some movies that risk was definitely a part of it we really harped more on the like actuaries and risk management and talked about how those are such crucial roles but they're usually the background character like the dad from Kim Possible and Fight Club and different things like that so this one I kind of wanted to spin it a little bit, and these are movies where characters definitely took a risk. They kind of took a leap of faith, and it's kind of showing them that they took that chance. They risked it all for potentially a reward. There are some phenomenal movies <laughs> on this list. Kind of tried to shake it up a little bit. So um, the first one, and I'm kicking myself because this was a catchphrase, and Court, you actually called me out last episode of like doing the greatest hits and bringing back a lot of different taglines that we've said over the past hundred plus episodes. And I cannot believe that when we were really harping about risk versus reward, I did not say is the, the juice, juice worth the, the squeeze. squeeze. <laughs> Trademark. Yep. So um, that is from the movie The Girl Next Door. I don't know that a ton of people have actually seen it. It's, it's a, I, I have seen it. I it's, actually. It's I got, love it. It's got. Uh, I can't remember. Do you, I don't know if you pronounce it Elisha or Alicia. Yeah. Alicia Cuthbert. Cuthbert. Yep. And then Amelia Hirsch. Yeah. Um, and um, the guy. Did you say Amelia? Amelia. Emilio, Emilie, Emil, 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 my, my doppelganger, my little adopted somewhat niece, not really, she's my best friend's kid, is named Amelia, so like I got Amelia on the brain, I'm just mm. giving you a hard time, Y'all we're gonna call him Amelia, <laughs> okay, that guy, anyways, it's a, it's just about a high school kid, falls in love with the next door neighbor, who happens to be in the adult entertainment industry, and chaos happens, and he has to kind of risk it all to try and protect himself from the situation he got himself into. So he took a risk by getting involved with an adult film star. He had to risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> he had to risk it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, the juice was worth a squeeze in that movie. Okay, the next movie on the list is Dante's Peak, and I remember seeing this movie and hating it. So there was there was that. I've never seen it. Oh, it was, I liked it. It was it had it had one of Katie's favorite actors in it. Oh, Pierce. Pierce. That's right. <laughs> is it just like an end of the world kind of movie? Like, um, it's, no, it's a vol- like, the volcano is going to erupt. Yeah, there's a volcano and Mount it's, Saint it's, Helen. It's, I think it's going to erupt and zaniness ensues. Zaniness. But it's it's it, the risk part of it is that you know people are prepared. They've got the volcanologist. Volcan- Volcanologist. Volcanologist. Whoa! Bam! He there pulled you that go. one out. Um, that they're coming and assessing the risk and to, yeah. Field of Dreams. Yeah. One of the most misquoted movies. Yeah. A lot of people say if you build it, they will come. It's if you build it, he will come. But he risked it all because he a lot did. of people thought he was crazy. What? Why are you doing this? Why are you building a baseball diamond? Because these ghost players are appearing. He took a risk. 
Could've. And it paid off. All yeah. those cars way down the street pulling it up for the game. It paid off, but he could have like gone completely bankrupt, destroyed his family, everything. But it paid off. The only thing I have to say about that movie is, of course, it stars Kevin Costner. And it, except for a reference to some very, very obscure movies that nobody has ever heard of, I have yet to have anybody give me a Kevin Costner movie related to sports or cowboys that was bad. Oh, <laughs> do you remember the one person when we were on our trip who told us they hated Kevin Costner? That's right. Yeah, yes. and I, I've about we will lost not name it. Them. We will not name the name. But um, yeah, that was the first person I've ever come across that does not like Kevin Costner. Yeah, Costner's like your go-to baseball movie actor and your go-to Western guy. Yeah. And I he, mean, he does it well. He's he, Listen, I, I'm not saying the dude is a brilliant actor. I'm just saying I've not seen a Western or a sports movie with Kevin Costner in it that I thought was bad. That's all I'm saying. So we're saying Kevin Costner would take a risk if he decides to start doing... Waterworld Part 2? <laughs> that was a risk. <laughs> yeah, that was a piece of garbage. Okay, so the next one on this list, Risky Business. I mean, it's in the name. I keep getting the movies that are real scandalous with Girl Next yeah, Door, Risky like Business. Yeah, like X-rated actors and, and hookers. This so. was planned, Katie. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. It's just, we all know Risky Business, Tom Cruise, another kid mm -hmm. who gets involved. Yes. At the time, he was supposed to be a high school senior getting involved with a hooker. So it had all sorts of heartwarming messages to it. Right. Uh, sometimes you just got to say, what the heck? Next on the list is Aladdin. Do you trust me? I can show you the... Do you trust me? And so when Jasmine grips the hand of Prince Ali and gets on the carpet, ooh, she's taking a risk. Prince Ali in the flying carpet. Getting on that carpet, I mean, you don't know if it's stable. What's the weight capacity? Like, is it going to work? Number six, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I mean, big risk. She didn't really have a choice to get taken to magic, Oz magic land. by tornado. But she did take a risk trying to get home, right? Yeah, well, and I think the other characters took a risk partnering up with her. Yeah, they were just strangers. She's they, like, who yeah. are these people? And it's just, they took the risk to go, like, I'm going to go with this girl. I, I think this is going to pay off. And they risked going through the poppy fields? Is that right? Yeah. I read an article once that the original book, The Wizard of Oz, was actually a treatise on the gold standard, I think it was. Really? Yeah. You know, like, follow the yellow brick road and Oz, OZ, ounces ounces of gold, so on and so forth. Yeah, okay, I, it was so, a fascinating article. I was gonna say, so put a pin in that. I wanna do an episode yeah, we'll just on that. that. That'll be fun. Okay, uh, the next one, The Sandlot. Great baseball movie, but the kids definitely risk it all when they try and leap over and fight the beast to get the ball back. It's a cool story, because Baby Ruth plays a big part in that. The Big Bambi? Man, two of the greatest, my favorite baseball movies are on this list, so yeah. I'm happy as can be. Why would I get this one? You want to flip seems like Yeah, it seems like it's not fair that I would hey, take this one. you get the next one and then I'll come back That's to this. That's fine. That's fine. Okay, so the next one uh, is Hunger Games. Uh, of course, obviously, Katniss Everdeen uh, takes a risk by standing in as tribute for her sister, who was actually chosen as tribute. She goes in her stead. I'm not sure she was really balancing risk versus reward in that in that instance, other than I could die, and, but if I don't do it, my sister will die. So I think it seemed like a pretty obvious choice to her. Like, I'm going to go ahead and be the one that puts my life at risk so I can save my sister. I know a lot of people whose lives I would just, uh, you know, if they got chosen as tribute, boom, I'd let them go. Have fun with that. Speaking of tribute, I... I say, is he looking at us? <laughs> I volunteered as tribute to get the film that you originally had on the list. <laughs> The one I always get, Lord of the Rings, which I love. <laughs> Man, so much risk in that trilogy of movies. Mm -hmm. uh, the wee hobbit Frodo Baggins was tasked with um, destroying the One Ring to save all of Middle-earth. Yeah. And the Fellowship 
all the people that joined him took a risk because it was it was kind of a mission that they thought was never going to work. I mean, it was certain death. But spoiler alert, the ring was destroyed. <laughs> uh, okay, the pursuit of happiness. Tearjerker. Uh, Tearjerker, great Or, movie. you know, a boring movie that put me to sleep. <laughs> Whatever, you know. It's all relative. It's, you know. <laughs> I thought it was a great movie, Tearjerker, um, but he definitely took a risk with his son trying to make sure that he could build a better life and didn't give up, but it's because he knew that hopefully there was a pot of gold at the other side, that there was a reward that he was going to be taken care of. Will for his Smith, hard work. Oscar bait, it was garbage. We don't talk about Will Smith anymore. <laughs> no. Well, I put this one on the list for you because you mentioned it the other day. It is. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not sure what the risk is in this but he i mean he put it, himself into a school that was really kind of out of his league and it is, so he oh, no, it absolutely wasn't out of his league let's mention was, the movie it's it's whiplash it's it is this is a, a drummer who is an amazing highly skilled lots of raw talent jazz drummer who goes to a school a jazz school and is in a jazz orchestra with a highly highly demanding teacher slash conductor and it is one of the best movies i've ever just randomly watched on a whim and gone oh my god this is i mean i just i remember i turned it on one morning i was sitting in bed and i was looking for something to watch and i turned it on and i was like oh my god this is the best movie i've ever seen in my life. <laughs> i mean it was amazing highly highly intense yeah and the the conductor highly abusive throwing like symbols and music stands at yeah. him i mean there's a lot of tension in that movie and oh, the yeah. one scene that stands out is when uh, miles teller is the actor who plays the drummer uh, maybe it's a tryout or it's his first real practice with uh, with the jazz band and he's dragging and the conductor's like, are you dragging or are you, I don't know if it's speeding, and he's throwing things at him and it's just really intense. You know, one of the one of the scenes in that movie where he acts, absolutely takes a risk is actually at the end, he's asked to join a, a, a jazz, not quartet, not trio, but you know, I guess a jazz orchestra, I don't know what else to call it. And he certainly takes a risk when he's doing that. Yeah. <laughs> And speaking of Miles Teller, that's a good segue to the next movie because Miles Teller was in the new Top Gun. Oh, is it mine? It's yours. Oh. So yeah. I screwed that one up. Yeah. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. I Tom mean, Cruise. For, after I saw this, I, it was one of my favorite movies for, for a long time. I, I, I kind of cooled on it, but just because, you know, after a while, the, the treacly tartness of it all just sort of made me sick to my stomach. I'm not in that good place anymore that I was <laughs> back when I saw the movie originally. I mean, he definitely takes a risk because he's frustrated at work. He he sees an opportunity that things need to go back to how they should be, caring about the clients, caring about the people. And so he drunkenly writes this long letter. It's a manifesto. A manifesto. <laughs> goes and prints it at Kinko's that's open in the rain and, and then presents it to everyone. You know, I actually mentioned this in a, I'm taking a master's course on behavioral finance. And I referenced this movie because he took a risk putting himself out there saying how he felt. But Renee Zellweger's character really took a risk because she just popped right up and was like, I will go with you. Yeah, and then you see just a few minutes later, she's like, um, "Is there going to be healthcare?" Because it's like that knee-jerk reaction kicked in of like, "Yes, I believe in you." And then that other side kicks in, and you're like, mm, "Did I make the right decision?" Mm, highly quotable movie. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Okay, the last one on our list is Vegas Vacation. Another and, uh, <laughs> terrible movie. <laughs> and I put it on. I mean, it was not a great movie. It was really bad. But was, I thought about objectively. When we were talking about, I think it was a horrible movie. 
and court doesn't like it, but I think <laughs> that uh, it had a good reference when you think about risk and reward because obviously Chevy Chase's character has just blown all their money and he really takes a risk at the very end because he could lose everything and just be totally screwed up or he goes in there and plays like in that one casino that's the most random games ever and he bets it all. But you think about there's so many movies where people just put all their cards out there and just hope for the best. So there's there's tons and tons of movies that have this in there. The risk and the reward that we are doing every single day, and that particularly, that was a financial risk. Enrolling yourself into a school or a training program hoping that it's going to prepare you to be the next greatest thing or the next CEO or whatever. That's a risk. You're you're risking your financial hard-earned money to potentially have a reward. Me going back to school, learning different things. I'm putting a risk out there, hoping that it's going to make me a better advisor, make me work better with our clients, get more awareness. It's a risk I'm taking that, you know, if you put your mind to it, it could have rewards with it. So I know we did this whole other episode about risk versus reward and looking at systematic, which is what you can't really diversify from, and the unsystematic, which you can diversify from. And those were those things like making sure it's not the Bank of Cam or the the T-Rex stock and, you know, different things like that, that it's reliable companies you believe in. It's someone who's not just a fly-by-night company. So that's, we're going to just a little refresher on the systematic versus unsystematic. Because, you know, when you're investing, you're making a choice about your financial assets and risk is, it's always there. Again, we said last time, All we can guarantee is that in a given day, the market will go up, will go down, or stay the same. And I mean, that sounds kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's true. We we don't know. I was sitting in a client meeting earlier and um, said, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you what the future is going to be. I can't tell you what the future is going to be of the market or of your personal life and what's going to come flying by and hit you. Risk is something that is constantly evolving and changing with what's happening in your life. Who is in control? You remember all these uh, episodes where court's been in session because we've been talking about a lot of legal things. The message from all of that is who is in control? You set up a trust to make sure the trust is in control of your kids not blowing through the money. You have a power of attorney to make sure you know who is in control if you're in a dire situation and you need somebody to act on your behalf. You're controlling the risk. I mean, there are some elements that you can't control, but you're choosing to decide are you playing the game or not? Are you going to sit on the sidelines or are you going to be a part of it? One of the things we didn't really talk about, you know, we talked about liquidity and making sure that you've got available cash, that you're not putting everything at so much risk and that you're really diversifying that way. But we didn't touch as much on inflation rate risk. And I know we did an entire episode about inflation. Mm -hmm. So go back to that one where we talk about what's really happening with inflation right now. But that's something to consider because inflation's crazy right now. The Fed is trying to get under control, and that's a very hot buzzword. And I really strongly suggest go back and listen to that episode. But you have to think about it. Inflation risk is one of the greatest risks out there because you could lose purchasing power of your money. And what I mean by that is if your money is sitting in a bank and inflation rate is 5% and your money's earning nothing, you're losing money. If you do not have it where you're hedging inflation, I'm jargoning myself on that one, that you're protecting yourself, you're not having all that money just sitting there in cash, 
that you're able to have that money work for you a little bit. And so that's where the diversification comes in of you don't have all your eggs in one basket. You're not just sitting on a big pile of cash because it's not keeping up with the inflation rate. There is a risk of your money not growing. If your money doesn't grow and the growth of your money isn't matching the growth of prices, to put it as simply as possible, just by having your money just sit there, you're losing money. I think you pretty much summed it up. Inflation risk is the risk of the future real value after inflation of an investment asset or income stream will be reduced by unanticipated inflation. Inflationary risk refers to the risk that inflation will undetermine the performance of an investment, the value of an asset, or the purchasing power of a stream of income. Looking at financial results without taking into account inflation is a nominal return. So inflation is a decline in the purchasing power of money over time, and failure to anticipate a change in inflation presents a risk that the realized return on investment or the future value of the asset will be less than expected value. That's a lot of words. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of words to pretty much just say, as we said in that inflation episode, it's here. It's always going to be here. Even when people aren't talking about inflation, inflation's still there. And that's where this is a lot. Okay, I'm telling you, you need to have money in cash, but not too much in cash. And you need to have money in retirement, but not too much in retirement. So I understand it's complicated. I may be guilty of a little bit of oversimplification because it's not just about having your money sit under your mattress or in a bank account that's not paying you interest. You could even have your money invested. Mm -hmm. And basically what you just said sort of restated there's the potential, there is the risk that you could have your money invested in something that, that does pay off. There is a there is growth to, to your investment, but it's not as high as inflation is going up. So it's not just a matter of put your money out there so you can avoid inflation. You got to put your money in the right things to, 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 to maximize your return so that inflation doesn't kick you into boot. And so you're probably going, what do I do? My head is going to explode. That's why you get a partner. You don't try and figure out what's wrong with you. You go to a doctor. You say, hey, this is kind of my symptoms. This is what's going on. Fix me. That's why you have a financial partner who can really look at it and they can understand all the possibilities, all the different options you have, and that they can help you figure out handling inflation risk and liquidity risk and credit risk and help you figure out what's going to be the best thing for you today. But knowing that it's going to change in six months, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, that it's not one of those, this is the road you're on. Good luck. Have fun. This is not the Wizard of Oz thing where we're telling Dorothy, just follow that yellow brick road and you'll be great. No, there is no perfect yellow brick road that you're having to follow. It is constantly changing with you personally and what's happening with the times. And part of that is we're looking ahead. We're looking to the future and, you know, it's, I think if y'all have listened to several episodes before, this is, it's a personality thing. And there's a behavioral part of this. A lot of people either live in the now or they live in the future. And you've got to kind of live in both. You've got to constantly be thinking about what am I doing now to make sure I'm covering my bills. I'm enjoying life. I'm doing the best things now, but also what am I doing to help myself in the future? I mean, it's a split. It's a balancing act. And I don't expect in between juggling kids and doing your day-to-day job for you to also then be an expert with your finances. That's why you work with somebody who can help you. There's this great mutual fund that um, I'm not going to name drop that has this really cool brochure. And it talks about how it's a, it's a fund that's been around for 80 plus years. And it talks about time in the market, not timing, 
but time in the market. Because if you're trying to time the market, then good luck. Yeah, that is that is a game in itself, and you you might as well just go to the casinos and just throw your money down and get those free drinks because it's it's very complicated, and I feel like only a few percentage of people can actually do it. But so time in the market. This mutual fund has this great chart, and it shows that when this fund started, if you had invested $10,000, then over all of these years, there would have been times every single year, something happened that would have made you either not want to invest or add money or to pull out. And I mean, I'm talking about every single year, it would have been oil strikes, hurricanes, um, natural disasters, war famine, pandemics, very different things happening. And you put that in perspective and it it showed this chart. It's like the $10,000 growing all these years to like 11 million or some crazy number that if you'd held it for this whole time. And that kind of puts it in perspective of there's always going to be something that happens that keeps us from playing the game. It's with financial, but also in life. Oh, it's not the right time for me to go back to school. It's not the right time for me to try and change jobs, even though I'm unhappy in my job. It's not the right time for me to invest because, you know, a new president's going to be elected in a couple of months. You know, something like that. I'm on my soapbox, y'all, and y'all are just well, letting me go. I, mean, I, I think one of the things that, that we focus on is the future. And it's like you said, if you're focusing on long-term growth, then there's always a reason you could stay out of the market. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that you've got to weigh that against the, the, the potential that you're throwing away, the, the return that you're throwing away by staying out. If you always have a reason to stay out and not get in, then you're, you're throwing away a potential future return. I think sometimes what, what people get killed by is that they're thinking of, oh, I'm going to strike it rich in the market and I'm, I want to invest this $1,000 and turn it into $10,000, but now's not the right time because the market's really taking a hit. And, and they're thinking they're going to invest their $1,000 and in a year they're going to have $10,000 mm-hmm. and they're going to you know, pull it out at exactly the right time. No. That, that's not what we're talking about. And yeah, your market fluctuations are going to kick you in the butt anytime you try and do that. Or not anytime, but frequently that kind of reasoning it, it it will keep you out of the market but we're not looking at that short term strike it rich sort of scheme we're talking about long term growth here you think about a little kid a little kid is fearless they are not scared and it's because they haven't had something happen to them they're not scared of their bike until they fall and then it takes a little bit of coaxing to say like hey it's okay get back on the bike keep going you don't let the kid just be like oh I'm never going to ride that bike again because I skinned my knee. And so that that relates to us as, you know, adults. And, you know, I think we're adults. I don't know. Some days I question it. But um, we, we always talk about the negative. And we're so protective of ourselves, of our, our hard-earned money, that we convince ourselves it's not a good situation. We shouldn't do that. And to a degree, that's great because we need those instincts to question, to do the research, to make sure it's the right decision but, you know, what's that quote? Don't let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. Mm-hmm. And um, David actually mentioned, you know, we talked about Babe Ruth on the last episode and how he really was the greatest. But people don't talk about the fact that he also had the most strikeouts. 
I mean, it makes sense. Can't hit the ball if you don't swing. Yeah, it makes complete sense, though. But the thing is, no one's talking about it. You hear about the person who's won, won, has earned millions of dollars with their small investment. But what losers did they pick prior to that? How much have they lost because of that to get to that point? But people don't talk about that. You don't talk about the rough times. You only talk about, oh, this is where I am. I'm successful. And I think it's becoming more common saying, oh, well, I had to work hard to get here. But then people brush it off. I'm like, oh, no, you didn't really have to. There's so many cliches about it, but it's, you know, a ship in port is safe, but it never goes anywhere. Mm. And so, yes, if you have this extra cash that you're sitting on and you've covered your monthly bills, you know, you've got your three to six months worth of living expenses and you've got this extra cash and you're just scared, you're waiting for the right time to get into it, then it's just going to stay status quo. It's going to stay as it is versus if you decided to take that leap and take the chance and do it correctly with research and a plan that is specific to you, not specific to Joe Blow, who you met at the bar. Listen, I think back to March of 2020. We had one of the worst days in the market ever in March of 2020. COVID was was coming on strong. Presidential election was looming and the market took a dive. It, it, it lost like 25% in one day. It was a terrible, terrible day. Now, since then... I don't know about the rest of you, but I look at my 401k now, every now and then, and my 401k recovered. You know, I got, I got, I got back. But if I were, if I were an investor and I just picked a day to look at to decide whether or not to invest, and I looked at a day like that, of course I'm going to stay out of mm-hmm. the market. Of course I'm not going to invest if I'm going to put my money in and lose 25. percent But it's not about that one day. It's about a string of days, a string of weeks, months, years putting that time together and letting the money grow for you. Yes. Time is so, so important. Time is the most precious asset we have, honestly. But we have this whole philosophy of uh, instant gratification. That's not always the best policy. It's really about having that time and controlling your risk and looking at what is your goal. And some of the terminology you may hear if you were talking to somebody about trying to control your risk and doing your research and getting advice and exploring solutions and options is, are you in the growth phase? Are you trying to grow this money for a specific thing? If so, what is your time horizon on it? Is this for two years down the road? You are a 20-something-year-old making great money. You don't have kids yet, but you think your retirement job is going to be flipping houses. So is this money going to be put aside for your future business in 10 to 20 years. Okay, that's a different time horizon. Are you in a life period where you're in preservation? You're trying to preserve this capital. And so you don't necessarily care about growth, but you care about keeping it as it is. There's different things, but it is still the time and making sure that you can't sit there and say, oh, woulda, coulda, shoulda. I wish I should have bought Apple stock or Tesla stock. No, just... Get in the game if you want to play the game. But if you're going to sit on the sidelines, then, you know, do the research and figure out when you should get in. It's not about timing. It's about time in. That was deep. The other couple of things that are in here is really just kind of stuff we've talked about before. And it's that with the risk is asset allocation and making sure that you're looking at your precious assets and you've got it allocated appropriately. Do you have all of your eggs tied up in one stock or 
Are you not liquid and all of your money is tied up in businesses or cars or property because you can't go and take your car and pay for Thanksgiving turkey? I mean, you probably could find somebody that would trade you a real nice car for a turkey. Um, you're not going to be getting your, 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 your value out of your car. But yeah, I mean, I'll give you a turkey for like a, a Ferrari or something. <laughs> okay, you heard it, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know, you've got turkeys, Ferraris. Here we go. <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's, it's different asset classes. It's looking at what's going to be the option. It's having that liquidity of that balanced approach. You know, you think about you're supposed to have a balanced meal. You're supposed to have all the different food groups within each meal. It's the same with your finances. You're supposed to have a little bit in every area, you know, and if one area gets outweighed, like if you're going to have more protein, then, you know, next meal, maybe you need to adjust. Same with this is it's if you've got a lot of your assets built up into non-liquid like homes, you need to make sure your other assets are helping to counteract those non-liquid assets. And it's, you know, portfolio diversification is a jargony term that you'll hear. And that's just your portfolio is what's made up of your different, your different accounts. It's if you've got mutual funds, stocks, bonds, real estate investment trusts, different things like that. So when someone's talking about your portfolio, it's just, what, what is your stuff? What do you have? Mm-hmm. And then how are you diversifying it? Are you putting all your eggs in one basket or do you have different buckets? Well, like for instance... We had somebody the other day that wanted to, to bring some money to us to invest. They wanted to put all of the money into one stock. And, mm-hmm. it, we, you know, we're like, no, we can't, we can't do that. We have a responsibility to make sure that you don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Yeah. You may really believe in this company. It may be a great company, but that is not a smart move. You think about it, your your emergency stuff, you kind of like, you spread it out and it's like, you know, I got flashlights all over my house because when the power goes out, you're not going to always be like that one drawer that has all the flashlights. If you are, then that's amazing. But, you know, I've got them hidden all over the house. You're right. And I, I was sitting here thinking you're silly. I mean, you know, the windows let in moonlight. You can see around the house. But then I remember back to that. Y'all remember when we had that freeze and everybody lost power uh-huh. for a few my house was dark. Yeah. <laughs> when, when the power was out, we don't have we don't have street lights around our house. We don't have and I guess the moon was behind the clouds. My house was dark. It was scary in that place. <laughs> and it's like something I learned when I was younger is um, I mean, cash really isn't that big anymore. But when I would travel, my mom always taught me, and and I still do this, but like you put some money in your suitcase, some in another place, like you kind of spread out your cash a little bit so if something was to happen when you were out and you lost that money you still had emergency money like you've got emergency money hidden in your car in case you run out of gas which is reality for me guys but you know (laughs) (laughs) my gas light came on this morning as i was driving to work did i stop no and the other little thing um, that i kind of want to harp on with this risk is kind of the dollar cost averaging and that is the philosophy of just continuing to add money And that goes back to that mutual fund I was talking about is so many calls we're getting lately is, is this a buying time or is this a selling time or stay put? What do we do? If you can set up a discipline that you are saving for the future, you are adding money to that 529 education account, or you're adding money to your dream account or your retirement account, like your 401k, every single month you're adding money to it. It's automatic. When you hear about the market going crazy, do you think about stopping doing that? 
No, you, you shouldn't. But for some reason, people think they should stop adding to their child's education accounts or their investment account that's allocated for something different than retirement. But the thing is, is that you're missing out on opportunity because you've got that where if you're buying, say, you know, mutual funds, okay, one month you buy in at $5, the next month you bought in at $4, the next month $6, next month $2. So then you're averaging it out and that's really giving you even further diversification, even though you're buying the same fund. Yeah, we were preparing for the crypto episode we did, and I, I mentioned that on the show that I put a very minimal amount in on the crypto app I was using, and I still get notifications from that app. It's like, try dollar cost averaging. It can be a lot more successful than trying to time the markets. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, so that's what dollar cost averaging means. I mean, you think about it, our bills are all, or most of them are automatic. It's just out of sight, out of mind. And it's just, you know, money's going over there. And it's that discipline that keeps you saving in some way and investing. And unless you're putting your money every single month into something absolutely crazy, then it's going to pay off. It's going to be good because you're continuously over this time period, adding more money to it and letting it build and grow. But it all goes back to making sure you're in the right time horizon. You're thinking about inflation risk and liquidity risk and all of that. But um, I feel myself starting to wrap up. And so I'm going to catch myself and maybe bullseye. Are y'all ready to bullseye? Let's do it. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, KT. <laughs> okay, so my bullseye is people are too busy stressing, worrying about monitoring their portfolios, looking at their 401k accounts quote-unquote, losing money. But if you remember back to that previous episode, you don't lose until you get out. And so take a step back and look at a situation, look at the whole picture and figure out is, yes, is there a reason I shouldn't invest? Is there a you know reason I shouldn't be adding money to it or a reason I should get out? Yeah, there may be, but is that the best decision? And everybody's situation is very individualized. And so that's where I say, you guys are all rock stars. You're, you're taking care of families. You're doing your job. Um, you know, Several of you have actually reached out to me recently about wanting to be on the podcast to talk about what you guys do. And I'd love to have you on here. But it's one of those, let the experts be the experts. Let those people who can help you, those doctors, those financial advisors, those therapists, CPAs, attorneys, let those people be your resources for different things and helping you with risk and you focus on what you're good at and doing the best you can but always asking those detailed questions because this is your precious assets and and you need to be in control bullseye Okay, so you can beat yourself up all day for not getting in on the ground floor of investing with Apple back in the 80s or whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't fear taking the risk of investing now. I don't think it's ever too late. You know, it's pointless to beat yourself up. I should have gotten in Disney or Coca-Cola earlier on. Blaze a new trail, baby. Bullseye. So a lot of you that listen to us may remember back when you would be sitting in your office or sitting at home and you would get a call from somebody with a really, really heavy Brooklyn accent or New York accent uh, offering to the, offering you this option of, of buying whatever the hottest stock is. You know, this this was back in the, the, the 90s, the, the 80s, the 90s. So some of you may not remember it, but I certainly remember it happening to me. These guys would call me up and give me these hard pushes on a particular stock. And that is not the kind of quote-unquote investing that we're talking about. We are talking about finding an advisor that is trustworthy, that is not pushing you toward one particular product because they're going to make a buck on it. 
They are, they are looking at your overall financial situation, determining what your needs are, and then putting together a plan for you that will address your needs, your long-term needs and your short-term needs. So for those of you that remember stockbrokers from back in the 80s and 90s, that's not, that's, not what we, that's not what we do. That's not what we're talking about anymore. So if you, if you got a bad taste in your mouth from, from years ago, you should take another look at the industry because we've grown a lot and we do take our fiduciary responsibility very seriously now. And uh, if you don't, then you could potentially be missing out because you don't get any reward without a little bit of risk. Bullseye. Oh, well, what do you know? Ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast beamed directly to your favorite listening device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about Katie and Cameron, and Court, I guess, um, then you can feel free to go to our website, that's bullcastpodcast.com, leave a comment, suggest a topic, we'll be happy to respond to you. Uh, also, we have an Instagram handle, at bullcastpodcast, and a Twitter handle, at bullcastpodcast as well. Don't leave off the as well part, it's just at bullcastpodcast. Finally, uh, Katie, Cameron, and I... Um, work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out more about the Pickler Wealth Advisors team and our boss, David Pickler, then please feel free to go to that website. It's picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, I have given you not much today. My opinion about some movies, maybe. And uh, Katie has certainly given you plenty to be going on with. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. And we're done.